Hey, I wanted to use this month's video at the beginning of 2024 uh, to kind of introduce a new season or a new uh, uh, set of teachings of, to introduce Jesus the Emancipator to you. Jesus the one who is responsible for having delivered a death blow to the sin industry of slavery, uh, the world slave industry, back in the year 1800 and the years that followed, so that the, the early 19th century became the century of abolition and emancipation of slaves. And that became a major transformation of the world. And uh, what I'm saying to you is that Jesus is responsible for that transformation. Jesus was the liberator of slaves, even though we don't remember that and we don't recognize that. And even Christians are unaware uh, that he did that for us. But that is what happened. And I'm I'm sharing this with you in the hopes of introducing to you uh, two books that I've written. I've talked about them already, Glory Through Time, because I give some perspective about Jesus, the King of Nations, and how Jesus, in pouring out his Holy Spirit, has transformed the world in many ways that we've forgotten. And I believe if you read these two books, you will get a different picture of Jesus than you've ever gotten before. He is Jesus, the transformer of nations. Jesus, the one who restores all things. He wants to take what it's like in heaven and bring it and make earth like heaven. He wants to restore God's original idea about how things should be on earth. That's the Jesus that I've come to know in my study of the scriptures. So one of the things that Jesus did was to get rid of slavery. He decided that at a certain time in history, this was the, the right time to do this particular thing. And he found some people who, would, who were listening to him enough to be aware that this is what he wanted to do at that stage of history. So they were co willing to cooperate with him, pray the prayers, and then get out there and do the work that would actually deliver the world from the institution of slavery, the sin industry of slavery that had been started by Satan a long, long, long time ago and had become normalized in the world, but then Jesus had another plan, okay? So my teachings uh, over this winter are going to be about that. And uh, what I really want to do here at the beginning uh, is to introduce that subject by just asking ourselves, why have we forgotten this? Why are we so forgetful of the mighty deeds of Jesus and the consequential uh, results of how we've benefited from his activities as king of the nations? 
how we forget about these things. We take credit for it. We just forget that he did this. And um, uh, 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 until we really face up to our forgetfulness and our reason for this, I believe we're going to continue kind of limping along, not seeing Jesus for who he is as King of Kings. Uh, we're not focusing on the kingdom of God and praying for the kingdom of God. Instead, what we're doing is we're just becoming more and more religious. So it's um, like even church histories don't see Jesus at the heart of things. They look at the people who were used in movements of the past and what the people did, but they just don't seem to be able to see the roots, the spiritual roots, and the authority of the King of Kings and what the part that he has played uh, in what he's done for, for these movements of the past that have been so beneficial to us. So, um, and the reason for this, the main reason, I believe, is that we in our perverse way of looking at things, have taken the kingdom of God and turned it into a religion, which is what we are used to and what we think it ought to be. And surely God wants this, but he never asked for it, and he never proclaimed it in the word of God. Okay, so let me just make this point for a minute here. Um, it was the religious leaders who actually put Jesus to death. We know that. We know that. We look at that. Um, Jesus came to be king of kings, but the religion was against that happening and couldn't see it. And so it was the religious leaders who actually proclaimed the decree that put him to death. Now, the Romans were the ones who actually did the deed, but... It was the religious leaders who opened the door and wanted it to happen. Uh, so uh, that should be a, a kind of a caution to us, I would think. Um, and then um, we look at uh, a simple word study of the New Testament. Okay, the New Testament is where the kingdom of God is breaking out, and, and we're seeing it, it's being described in the New Testament, so we ought to see what the New Testament has to say about religion. And the first thing we notice um, is that the word religion, which is there, um, the word threskeia, it's gr the Greek word, it appears only three times in the New Testament. Uh, whereas the word kingdom appears 149 times. So wouldn't that be a clue that um, our intense determination to have a Christian religion may not be what was in the heart of God? And that a kingdom is a different thing from a religion. But our idea is to turn it into a religion. God's idea is to have it be a kingdom. Well, what would be the difference between these two things? Well, the other thing, of course, would be what do you see when you look in those places that use the word religion? And in those three cases, they're uh, consistently an, 
a, a thing that's a negative for the New Testament community. In other words, they use the word in a negative light. So, for example, the Apostle Paul uh, says that um, he was a member of the strictest sect of our religion. Well, that's the, that word, threskeia. Um, he's describing himself as religious, but that was the Paul when he was still Saul, you see. That's the previous Saul of Tarsus, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he was religious, but that wasn't a good thing. He's not, he's not saying, uh, you know, I'm proud of this. This is my... This is my past. I was one of the great ones, you know, and, and God chose me. No, it's not like that. He, he's, he's saying, this is something I gave up. I, I let go of uh, in coming, becoming a Christian um, and knowing Jesus, who is the king. And so he's transferring over from religion to kingdom. Do you see that? And uh, then James, the apostle James, same thing. He's saying in, uh, in, the, in the letter of James, religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to visit widows and orphans in their affliction and to keep yourself unstained from the world. That's the kind of religion that God is interested in. Well, that's, that's not what we mostly think of as religion at all. It's love and Purity of heart. That's what God wants. That's what God is determined to produce in us. Whether you go to church on Sunday morning between 11 and 12 a.m. and uh, do all the things that you're led to do while you're in the church, um, are you really pleasing the king? That's the question. Because the king never asked for all of those religious services. And you see, the problem here is, it's not that it's bad for our Christians to come together and have hymns to sing and prayers to pray and sermons to preach and all the things that we do. That's a good thing. But what tends to happen to religious people is they divide their world into two parts. You've got the sacred part over here, and you've got the secular part over here. So you put the sacred part behind the brick walls with the, with the stained glass windows and the steeples and all the rest. You go into that sacred part. God is there. So you do your worship and you do your rituals and so on and so forth. And, and then you come out of that and now you're back into your world, the secular world, and God is not there. You don't expect to see God there. You don't see God there. Uh, you, you're back to your own life. You, you watch football. You go to work. You do all the things you do just to survive and even be successful in that secular world. But then once a week you go and you're religious for a, a, a season. Do you see? There's a division here that is the way that religious people think. It's not the way kingdom people think. It's the way religious people think. And so you're not really 
asking God to do much of anything in that secular world because God doesn't really belong there in your thinking. Um, you don't expect him to really act at all uh, in that. You, if he's going to do anything, it's going to be at church. And at church, that's the, secu that's the sacred realm that you go to when you want God to do something for you. Um, and, and you're there to do the things for him that, that religious people do. Um, so here's the deal. Um, God is always seeking to transform the world that we're calling secular. It's as much God's world as the other part. But something has to happen in us where we surrender our lives truly to the King and invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us what is on God's heart. This is different from being religious. This is how you become a kingdom citizen. And, and once that happens, then you, you realize that God starts speaking to you about his world and how you could be involved transforming that world. And it has very little to do with religion. In fact, I believe the church is designed for a bunch of king, kingdom citizens to come in and just share what God is telling them and to, to share the stories of how he's transforming that world out there. But you see, that's, that's for kingdom people. That's not the way religious people behave. So um, what, has, what has happened in the past is God has been always able to find some people who were able to get free of that religious spirit and become kingdom citizens. And then he spoke his heart to them about his world and how he wanted to transform the nations. And he poured out the Holy Spirit to them and through them, and they became very transformational people. That's, the, what, that's what he wants for us. Um, and so we have to get beyond this religious spirit into the, the citizenship of the kingdom of God. That's what he's asking us to do these days. And so I'm excited about being able to share with you the stories of people in the past who were dynamically used to transform God's world, but they had to get free of that religious spirit first. Same is true of us. So, Father, I just ask you to use this teaching to transform people who are well-meaning, but often have been convinced of uh, wrong things that are not really uh, supported by your word. Would you make your word come alive more and more, even if it seems to contradict what we're used to hearing? Amen.